Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm assistant sports editor Mark Faulkner, joined by beat reporter Ted Colfin. Tonight, a special edition, a draft lottery edition. The Wings stayed the same tonight. They'll pick six for the third time in four years. And coming up, we'll hear from one of the players who may be available with that sixth overall pick, Sweden's six foot five defenseman Simon Edvinson. But first, Here's Steve Eiserman on the lottery system, which really hasn't been too kind to the Red Wings. You know, there's no sense complaining about it. It is, the system is what it is. Good for Buffalo. Um, again, uh, you know, uh, wish them well. Um, they're lucky to have the first pick. Um, and we have the sixth pick in the draft. We didn't go backwards. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, do, we'll do our best to make a good selection. And, you know, you just, whether it's the sixth, the first, the fifth, whatever pick you have, um, you got to find players and, uh, you know, the system is uh, the same for everyone. Um, we just got to find a way to get good players. So I, you know, I, not much you can do about it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, losing a minute's sleep over it. So Ted, there you have Eiserman saying there's no sense complaining. They didn't go backwards and he's not losing a minute's sleep about it. It could have been worse. Right. And I'm sure you can understand the fans frustration though, having dropped eight spots in the previous four years. But tonight, at least as Steve Eisman said, they didn't go backwards. No, I understand the fans' frustration, but really, I, it's the same, everybody's got the same type of odds or whatnot. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they, you figure they've, what, picked six the last three of the last four years, and they've landed more at Cider and Philip Zadina. I don't see too many mm-hmm. complaining about those two players. So... It is what it is. I'm sh- they'll get another solid prospect at number six. And frankly, this year, it's such a crapshoot. You could wind up with a Hall of Famer at number six. Who knows? I mean, it's just going to be mm-hmm. a weird, unique draft because all these junior leagues have either not been at playing or had a very short season. So there's very limited scouting. Everybody's almost walked around in the dark with this one to a certain extent so we'll see what happens you know ted you asked steve eiserman about that topic the pandemic disrupting the seasons here's eiserman's answer on tonight's zoom call hey steve and max kind of stole a lot of my thunder but i was curious like rounds two through seven how important are those picks for you guys it seems like obviously through the years the organization's been built on a lot of those types of picks that are late in the draft and it's going to be, is it going to be tougher to find people because of the way things shook, you know, shook down this year and stuff? Again, I think you can look at it two ways. It's potentially tougher to find people, or you might, uh, you might yeah. find a gem later on that didn't play mm-hmm. much uh, that you, you know, like that you maybe you saw a year ago uh, that yeah. one of our scouts saw a year ago and it says, Hey, I'd really like to pick this player. So you're going to look at it two ways. Again, uh, is, is that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get lucky or you're going to get unlucky. And, and I, I do think there'll be some really good players for whatever reason 
that are picked later in the draft. Maybe they didn't play at all. Maybe they played a little bit or they played in a men's league in Europe and hardly got on the ice. And, and you're going to wake up in three years and go, wow, I had no idea this guy was going to be this good. But so, you know, generally in a normal year, as you know, we, you know, our scouts would see these kids play a lot in every single league. You wouldn't this year, some of the kids, the Ontario kids, uh, you know, haven't played. I think they're playing in Erie for a couple of weeks here. And, uh, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of the leagues shut down early. And so, um, again, I think, I think there's going to be kids that go much later in the draft than they normally would have if they got a chance to play all year. And, and the same way, kids will go a lot higher just basically because they got the teams got to see them a lot. Ted Eiserman says, yes, you can look at things two ways. You can find a gem and get lucky. You can also look back at this draft 10 years later and say, what were we thinking? What are your thoughts about the approach as they, as they head into the draft? It's still a couple of months away. Oh, Mark, we're still, we're still two months away. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of analyzing, a lot of debating, uh, a lot of th- still a lot of thorough scouting on their part. They're going to have 12 picks. They're going to have a lot of picks coming up here again in this draft. They'll have another chance to get a lot of depth into the organization and what they're thinking and hoping is that some of these players become NHL players. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. But they have a lot of kicks at the can, as, as they like to say. I mean, there's going to be a lot of choices here to add, a lot of pe- people that, to add to the organization. Supposed to be a fairly deep draft, too, for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there should be a lot of chances here to add NHL players for them. Ted, what was it like as you were watching the unfolding of the uh, draft cards? Or really wasn't much uh, change at all, as Ken Cowell mentioned tonight. It was like they forgot to shuffle the, uh, the cards or something. But did you what, – what, what if they had won the draft? What if they had that 7% chance? Was there excitement there? Or was it like the previous draft lotteries? What were your thoughts there? I didn't think there was any excitement at all. I mean, yeah. It was basically inverse standings, which kind of, you know, for an old school type, <laughs> people like that. I mean, it's like the worst record team with the worst record got the pick. Uh, the expansion team moved up, so that's good for them. They deserve it. They need as much talent and depth as they can get. You know what? I think the way I see it, Marcus, I kind of liked it. It's like, mm. let's just go by the standings or whatnot and just go from there. I mean, you figure the worst team deserves it. and. That is Buffalo. So in a way, yeah, maybe like last year, you would have liked to have seen the Red Wings get rewarded for having such a terrible season, but no, it didn't work out last year. But no, I mean, let's face it. There was not much buzz at all. And I I think people, I didn't see much on social media either. The league probably likes it after all the the commotion from last year. You know, Ted, we'll take a look at uh, the possibilities for the wings down the road, but Buffalo gets number one and they might take power. Seattle, number two, I could see them taking Luke Hughes, just conjecture. Number three, I could see a third Michigan player go one, two, three, Power Hughes and Beneers to the Ducks. New Jersey, they have Hughes and Heischer and Holtz. They could take Gunther. Edvinson will be there. And then you have... Columbus with Kekalainen, who sometimes will take Europeans, like a William Eklund, who's been compared to Zetterberg or Edvinson, our guest upcoming. I guess what I'm saying is some of the players who might be available for the wings at that time, they're all good players, of course. 
Edvinson, Kent Johnson could be there, William Eklund, the Swede. And there's one fast riser who's coming up the rankings from Peterborough, where Steve Eisenman played, Mason McTavish. He was ranked the number one North American skater. So at number six? Obviously, they need offense. So if there's a good offensive prospect there, they'll go that route. Sure. Um, like you said, there should be several quality players. There are people who've shown that to us what the games they've played have shown an ability to put the puck in the net. So, yeah, I mean, as Eisenman kind of pointed out several times, there there is going to be a good player there. And who knows, there might be some, uh, several decent prospects there for them in the second round, too. They got three picks in the second round. But, yeah, all things being equal, I think they would like to add another forward. Time now for our interview segment with that defenseman we were talking about earlier, the Frolunda defenseman, Simon Edvinson. Joining us now is 18-year-old Simon Edvinson, a defenseman with the Frolunda hockey program in Sweden, a top 10 prospect for the 2021 NHL draft on July 23rd and a possible Detroit Red Wings draft choice. Simon, welcome to the podcast. Last year when I talked with your teammate Lucas Raymond, who was the Red Wings first round pick of fourth overall choice, he talked about the benefits of playing in the Swedish Hockey League. For example, he said he learned so much from Joel Lundqvist, who's the twin brother of Henrik Lundqvist. Joel played in the NHL with Dallas. He's 39. He's a legend in your league in Frölunda in Gothenburg. He's 39 now, Simon. He still had 10 goals this year. And I'm just wondering, like, like Lucas was saying, just how important that is to form these friendships and learn so much from someone like Joel Lundqvist. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, he's, uh, he's been... Uh, a lot of uh, games he's played a lot of games and uh, mm-hmm. been everywhere uh, around the world and just to listen to his experiences and to play and to train with him uh, him as a leader and yeah just do everything uh, like he does uh, it's a it's a great uh, great uh, training and uh, great uh, experiences it really is, isn't it, Simon? Because even Maurice Sider in Germany, he said he got to meet other families. They invited him over to dinner. He learned off-ice habits, on-ice habits, what it's like to be a pro. And for a lot of hockey fans over here, Simon, someone like, say, Owen Power, who came from Toronto, went through the Chicago Steel, he played in Ann Arbor here with 18- to 22-year-olds. And another player I talked to last night, Chaz Lucius, a center with the USA Hockey's under-18 team. He played with players his age. And there's bonuses and pros and cons to everything. But as Marit Sider said, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, Simon. Yeah, of course. You learn a lot uh, when, you, when you talk to these, uh, these guys. They, they're really, really good hockey players. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they've been, been through a lot. Uh, also, we have a lot of guys that have played on a high level. Uh, a lot that got gone through Frölunda and uh, came to the NHL, uh, and just to listen to their experiences is is re- real learning. Uh, and of course, when you when you uh, maybe sit next sit next to uh, someone like Joel and, uh, and just yeah see what he does, he's so professional every time. Uh, every time you do something like in the gym on the ice 
it's always hundred percent and uh, mm -hmm. yeah it's it's fun to watch and Simon, what about the uh, level of play in the uh, in the Swedish hockey league? When I talked to Lucas Raymond last year, I said, you know, Lucas, your career path is similar to Steve Eiserman's, who played on the Peterborough Peets, and they played four lines in Peterborough, Simon, and they were a defensive-minded team, and Steve Eiserman didn't get the amount of ice time that he would have maybe on another team, and Lucas was a healthy scratch last year, as you know, and he played in 23 games there. He had four goals a lot of defensive hockey, and he learned a lot of skills. But I'm just wondering what it's like then to play in a league like that where defense is first, you're playing against men, you have to make quick decisions. What, what was that like this past year for you? Of course, it's tough games. Uh, yeah. every, team, every team here in the SHL is, is really good. Uh, so when I, when I get the honor to play with Froland, I, it, was, it was really fun. But you all, always need to be alert. Uh, they are heavier and uh, and faster. Uh, some of the guys that you mm -hmm. eat, and uh, of course you need to you need to think uh, how should I do in that situation, uh, and uh, just to just to think think hockey every every time, uh, uh, just to be on all the time. Uh, yeah, one. Uh, one step away from from the game, and you you're completely lost. Uh, right, so you right. need to be fo focused every time yeah. on on the game. Now, what about Lucas Raymond's season this past year? I talked to your general manager in Frölunda, Frederick Schoestrom, who also played awesome. in the NHL, and he doesn't really expect Lucas Raymond to come back next year. He really thinks that with his competitiveness that with a really good off season that as a 19 year old that he might be able to, well, he doesn't expect him back next year. Lucas in 34 games this year, Simon, he had six goals. So a few more goals and 18 points, but maybe you could just tell us about um, what you saw of Lucas this year and uh, the development of his game. Uh, yeah, of course I train a lot with Lucas and uh, I played a few games with him. Uh, he's a great player. He's uh, so creative and uh, has a lot of skills and just create ice time uh, for for himself all the time and uh, all you all the players uh, uh, that that you play with. Uh, he's uh, he's a great shooter and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a great a great uh, a great teammate. Uh, so. I, I really think uh, if he takes the next step into the NHL, he's going to do, do that really good. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think so. Simon, you just talked about working out with, uh, with, with uh, Lucas, and uh, Lucas told me about his mom being a trainer, and then you've told me before we started the interview, your mom's a trainer too. And, and when I talk to Lucas, he goes, look, I, I still listen to my Fralunda coaches and their trainers, and uh, and he said it was it was interesting that his mom was able to help him and eat properly and everything. So I'm just wondering what it was like the two of you. I guess my question would be what it's what what is it like with you, the two moms that that know so much about nutrition and health? Uh, of course, uh, it, it's that the Lucas said. Uh, you, you listen to the from my coaches uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and train with them. Um, then after it's it, it's the talk about what you should eat and everything home uh, so uh, yeah you, you listen to her too uh, maybe when you when you feel that you have to stretch so you just do some more uh, 
yeah to get smoother or something in, in the body or used yeah talk to her and uh, mm-hmm. and she helps she helps with uh, with that and yeah uh, it's 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 really really good to have uh, have that now, Frederick Sjostrom also talked about your defensive game, Simon. He thought that you were underrated that way, that a lot of people uh, talk about your jumping into the play. And although your offensive numbers aren't as high as you might have uh, accumulated here uh, in Canadian hockey or in U.S. colleges, uh, he felt that your reach and your positioning and your edges helped out defensively. I'm just wondering what skills you think you've worked on over the last few years. Um, you're at 197 centimeters, which is about like 6'5", 92 kilograms, which is in the 210 range. I just wonder what your thoughts are about the, your, your, your defensive game and what Frederick Schostrom said. Of course, I've trained a lot with uh, the defense coach here in Frölunda. Uh, just to get strong and win uh, the puck battles, uh, mm-hmm. the loose pucks and everything, to have a good gap and... Yeah, uh, just to train every everything in the defense zone. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a lot of training, uh, and I feel like uh, it's it's gave results. Uh, of course, it uh, I, I need to train a lot more at it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a long long way from uh, from done, uh, but it's it's been a lot of uh, practice on every every. Yeah, position on the ice, uh, just to jump on in the in the place and uh, to be a to be a good uh, two-way defenseman. Uh, we talked a lot about and uh, and just to train to be as good as possible at it. Yeah, you know what, Simon? That's exactly what uh, Frederick said too. That that you should be considered more of a two-way defenseman. And that when I look at your stats too, um, and he said, you guys play in so many different uh, teams. And he said, that's also a bonus as well. So with Forlunda, 10 games, one assist. Um, with Vasteris, 14 games, five assists. And then with Forlunda's under 20 team, Simon, you played 14 games, one goal, five assists. I have a question about the uh, world championships in uh, Texas. The U.S. coach Dan Muse. I talked to him the other day about you and Dan said they actually watched tape about you and they were really uh, keeping an eye on you because he said this player really likes to jump into the rush and we really have to, as you said, like keep our gaps on them and move up into the rush. And I just wonder what your thoughts are. Um, we just talked about your defense and you did mention about moving up into the play. Um, what's it like making that decision when to, you know, uh, stay back and make the safe play, but also when to join the attack and and create some offense. I try to maybe go up with the puck and deliver it to to my teammate, and sure. then jump up to to the play and and create uh, chances uh, in the ozone. Uh, so I think a lot of I, I create myself some some uh, ice and. And just get a good position and uh, to to create a play from there. Uh, I think uh, uh, that uh, I, I that was the unlucky from last year uh, or yeah this this year uh, that I I create I create the opportunities, but I I, sure. I didn't took I didn't took them so good that I should have done. Uh, I, I maybe pass to someone to open net, and uh, yeah, I get some, just some unlucky, uh, and maybe I, 
I just didn't took the shot when I when I should have, and yeah, it was a lot of that. So it's a lot a lot of that I need to practice uh, this summer and before uh, we get into the games again. Uh, so it will be a lot of practice of sh shooting and a lot of video clips. Uh, so yeah, I, I look forward to the next season. Frederick also uh, talked about your positioning, and he played against Nicholas Lidstrom, and he wasn't making any comparison, Simon. That's not fair, but he said that Lidstrom always seemed to be in good position with a really strong stick, was able to anticipate. And we also talked about Lidstrom that Nick Lidstrom averaged only 12 penalty minutes during his 1,500-game career here with the four-time Stanley Cup champions. And I talked to Luke Hughes, who is also going to go early in the draft, along with yourself, Owen Power, Brant Clark. So it's a real defensive, defenseman-dominated uh, draft. And Luke Hughes, um, Simon, had only 12 minor penalties in two years. And we also said that Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes, he's – he should be considered for the Norris Trophy. He only had one penalty this year, and that was for, that was for shooting the puck over the glass. But he's one of the top defensemen as well. So when it comes to – and you didn't have a lot of penalty minutes either um, in, in the three different uh, leagues or teams that you played with, with this year. What are your thoughts about um, playing like an efficient game, uh, getting in the way, but not necessarily winding up in the penalty box? Uh yeah, it's something that I, I think a lot of uh, just to get a strong strong play, but uh, sure. not that I not that the ref can can put me in the yeah uh, two minutes uh, yeah I don't know two minutes what what do you, how do you say yeah like a two minute minor penalty or in the penalty yeah, box yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the penalty box yeah. Um, I I always think so that I I need to be strong to to be strong and uh, let him do the mistake and then I can take the puck uh, okay. from him. Uh, so I just wait for him to do something. I I don't want to be the first that do something so he can react on that and get past me. Uh, so I always try to see what he is gonna do and and go from there uh, and just take uh, away his uh, his ability with the puck right uh, right so, yeah no that makes a lot of sense and you know i'm wondering too have the red wings uh talked to you yet we're still two months away from the draft a lot of people are asking you know what who are some comparables is it victor hedman uh Deline? uh has nicholas cronwell talked to you yet uh Hakan anderson uh, what are your thoughts about the Red Wings? And if you were, have you talked to them? And if you were to be drafted by the Red Wings, where one year, um, Simon, in 2008, there were nine Swedes uh, that were on the roster um, at, at one point. So, yeah, the Red Wings, have they talked to you? And what are your thoughts if you were drafted by them? Yeah, I would talk to them. Uh, I talked to Håkan Andersson, uh, the scout there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we had a, a great chat. Uh, also, if I get drafted by Detroit, it would be a, a really fun. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of Swedish friends that uh, mm -hmm. are in the, are in Detroit, and also there are really good players in Detroit uh, that I that I look at. Uh, 
one of them is uh, Maurice Seider. He's, he's a great defender and uh, I think he got the award for the best defender here in Swedish Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of great players and a really good uh, club with a lot of uh, good history behind that. And, uh, yeah, a really, a really good team. Simon, have you thought about going number one overall? You're ranked in the top 10 in Bob McKenzie's rankings. Two scouts had you going number one. Again, uh, there's Owen Power, there's Luke Hughes, Brant Clark. Uh, I spoke with uh, Simon Gunther the other day, uh, one of the best forwards from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, have you given any thought to that? Does it really matter to you? Uh, does it matter if you go number one overall? What are, what are your thoughts on that, Simon? Uh, no, actually not. I haven't thought about it uh, so much. Uh, I'm just thinking the draft as a as a fun fun thing and uh, exciting thing. Uh, right now, I try just to focus on on myself and to be a better hockey player. Uh, just to train hard and uh, and be better on everything. To yeah, to be as good as possible when the season starts. So, uh, not so much. Uh, I have not uh, thought about it so much, actually. Actually. And you mentioned uh, Marit Sider, and, and, and you're right. In, in 41 games this year, he was named at the top defenseman with Rogel. Uh, seven goals, 28 points. Um, what were your observations about a player that Steve Eisman took sixth overall from, uh, from Mannheim, Germany, and he was able to develop for a year in Grand Rapids, another year in Sweden, and now he feels he's ready. When I talked to Marit Sider, uh, he said, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm going to, to go and make the team. And I'm sure Lucas Raymond has that op- opinion now, too, as Frederick Schostrom said, that uh, he's ready to make the leap. Well, what did you see about Sider's game? He's bigger and stronger, and it seemed like he was developing his offensive game as well. Yeah, uh, I made him, uh, I think I two times uh, and uh, yeah he's a really strong guy Uh, I think I met him one time in in the corner uh, and I just felt wow he's 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 a strong strong guy Uh, and and uh, yeah I watch I watch him a lot that game he's he's young and and uh, strong and just a skilled defender too uh so yeah he's he's a really good defender simon just a couple of more uh, questions i wonder if you had any opinion on a goaltender who might be available who's ranked 10th overall by bob mckenzie goalie with lulia jesper wallstad he's 6-3 he's really developed quickly and in 22 games this year he had a 2.23 goals against average I'm speaking to him next week as well because Detroit has two picks in the first round, and uh, there are some scouts who feel that Jesper Wallstad won't uh, last until Detroit's second pick. But I just wonder if you had a chance to see him play, and he certainly made a name for himself uh, developing through the Swedish system. And Jesper said that he would like to be the first Swedish goalie to be taken in the first round. So did you play against him? Have you heard about him uh, moving up in the Swedish ranks? Uh, yeah, I've heard about him. I don't think that I played against him. Just some camps. Uh, sure. Yeah, he he don't create uh, so much. Uh, yeah, so much uh, net to put the puck in, and uh, of course he's a he's a really good goalkeeper. And 
yeah, uh, I, I really think that he can be the first uh, mm-hmm. Swedish goaltender to to go in the first round. And yeah, we'll have to wait and see because uh, yeah, there have been a lot of good goaltenders over the years from Sweden, but just never in the first round. In fact, um, your general manager, Frederick Schostrom, said, uh, Mark, I played with Henrik uh, Lundqvist, but he was a seventh-round pick, and uh, Joel's <laughs> brother, he, he went uh, from the seventh round to like right to the Stanley Cup final and, and maybe the greatest Swedish goalie ever. But uh, So how are you handling all this with um, – with the draft and all the teams calling and everything, uh, you mentioned um, you know you have a lot of family support. You have a younger brother who's coming up, who's a defenseman as well, and he's a couple of years younger than you. We talked about your your mom and your dad's a, a, a police officer as well, and I just wonder what it's like in Gothenburg as you're as you're getting ready. You've got two months to the draft, Simon. So, um, what do you make of all these things that are? that are happening because Frederick says you're really calm and, and you're, you sit back, you're a student of the game, but it must be also pretty exciting too these next couple of months before you find out, you know, where you'll be drafted and then probably come back and play for, for London next year. Uh, yeah, of course it's exciting. It's, it's a dream to, to be in the draft, uh, but also it's, it's two months away and, yeah, I don't want to be that person, but everything can happen, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, try to be calm about it. Um, sure, sure. To, as I said before, just to to develop as much as I can uh, this summer, and uh, yeah, just to to get a good start of the season next next year, and uh, yeah. Just, uh, just go with it. Uh, I think uh, I don't think you should just think about it so much. Uh, so yeah, I, I think like that. Simon, thanks again for your time today, talking to us on the podcast, talking a little bit about Swedish hockey and some of your teammates, Lucas Raymond, some of your goals, a bit about your family. We really do appreciate you talking to us and, and letting us a little, letting us know a little bit about the Swedish culture and what it's like to be one of the top picks coming up into the draft. And good luck when you, um, as you get ready for that Friday night, July 23rd. Thanks again, Simon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Our thanks again to Simon Edvinson, a possible draft choice of the Red Wings and the NHL draft on July the 23rd. One more voice clip from Steve Eisenman. Here he is talking about the importance of his scouting staff led by Chris Draper heading into this unprecedented draft. I don't know if people understand, like your amateur scouts run the draft. Either the GM, you announce the first pick. Apart from that, you're not heavily involved in it. You know, you just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take the credit when the guys turn out really well and I'll pass the blame on to the scouting staff when the guys don't turn out. But that your amateur scouting staff runs the draft. The GM, how involved are you? You may be involved in some concepts, but in general, that's what you pay your amateur scouting staff to do. So how have I changed? And I'm not really sure. You know, you you try you you really wrestle with how much influence you want to have versus not saying a word. And uh, there's been times at various picks where I've spoken up, and, and I'm glad I did. And then looking back, there's times when I have not spoken up and wish I did and vice versa. So again, you, you, you know, let your guys trust your guys, let them do their job and give them some kind of some parameters of what you want to do and go from there. Ted, any final thoughts on the evening? The Red Wings wind up number six, right where 
right where they were projected to be. They, they didn't fall to eight. And so Eisenman will get a player, like you said, in the past with number six, they've drafted Cider and Zadina. There's going to be a good player there. Was it much ado about nothing? Uh, actually, I think like Leno, so many people were upset last year about it. But my goodness, it generated so much buzz, so much talk when the Rangers did get that number one pick. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think any time the league can get out there in that way and be talked about, dissected, I think it's a good thing. So on the flip side of that, having it so fairly boring, you could say tonight, well, just to counterbalances last year, but there's something to be said for the worst team in the league, with the, which the Sabres were, no question about it. So there is something to be said for them landing the number one pick. It was much deserved for them, you could say. Ted, what about the playoffs, your second round predictions? You got, okay, Boston in seven, Tampa Bay in six, Vegas in six, they're down two to one in the first period against Colorado and you have Winnipeg in six the Jets lost the opener five three and no update yet on Jake Evans who was injured on a late hit by Mark Shifley in the final minute of that the was third a dangerous period. dangerous hit wasn't it Mark I, I'll be shocked at this point if he doesn't get suspended for several games don't you agree it was really uncalled for wasn't it the, the, there was an empty net goal you've already lost the game Shifley just ran him from the blue line in and Evans didn't get up, did he, Ted? So uh, there's still no. Uh, so I mean, I, suddenly, if you lose him for the, you lose Shifley for the rest of the series. There's a couple of banged up players there. All of a sudden, the way Montreal's playing, boy, oh boy! All of a sudden, you kind of you wonder if Montreal could could suddenly swing things around in that series. Carey um, Price is playing at another level right now, and whenever he does that, boy, that's a dangerous team and. You're seeing a lot of that young depth Montreal had coming to fruition. A lot of those young players are playing well. I love the veteran leadership on that team, too. Guys like Weber, Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. Jeff's having a t- has had a couple of sensational seasons over there now. That looks kind of suddenly looks like a pretty dangerous team. It really does. And I've been pretty impressed with Tampa, too, to go in there and win two in a row like that in, in Carolina. It's not an easy win place to play in Carolina. Wow. I mean, they were a good, as good as anybody throughout the season. T- Tampa Bay looks very strong too. Uh, but a very entertaining play. It's good to see fans back in the stands. Sure it is, isn't it? Really is just, even on the television set, it just adds so much to the equation compared to what we were watching last summer. So yeah, that, that's been one of the big things. I think just seeing fans in the stands again, it was, been very exciting, very refreshing. Ted, what about the uh, Maple Leafs? They haven't won a cup since 1967. They haven't won a series since 2004. They had a 3-1 lead on that Montreal team. Then they lost three straight. And today, former Red Wing Brendan Shanahan said they're planning on keeping the big four players together, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. He did say they're trying to learn that killer instinct, but as the Red Wings learned here, that can that can take a while, right? No, it, it can be. I mean, it took Tampa 10 years after Steve Eiserman mm-hmm. came And Alex Ovechkin, it took them, I think, double-digit years. I mean, Toronto's, those fans, you know, they're passionate fans. They're not going to want to hear it. But I do think, you know, they just have to stay patient. Uh, there's a lot of learning involved that 
those four are excellent, excellent hockey players, and it'd be pretty difficult to replace any of them. Um, I think it's a good hockey team. They just need to come back, retool a little bit more again, and try to go back at it next year. I don't, just my humble opinion, I don't think you'd you make yourself better by trading away any of those four guys. That'll do it for a today's podcast, episode 56. For more Red Wings coverage, you can check out Ted's stories at DetroitNews.com. You'll also find us on our Octopulse Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, and Snapchat. Thanks again for listening, everyone, to this special edition of Octopulse. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks.